Hello, and welcome to the Interior Design MBA podcast. I'm your host, David Shepard, and my goal is to share with you the most successful and often simplest strategies available to interior designers to improve their bottom lines, find more time to design, and generally enjoy life more by earning what they deserve. Now, let's get started. What if there was a magic number that you could easily calculate and that number would go a long way toward predicting your financial success in the years ahead? Wouldn't you want to know what that number is? Well, then you might want to write this down. The number is 39, as in 39%. Did you write that down? I ask because one of the limitations of podcasting is that I can't show things. So when I'm dealing with numbers, even simple ones, I have to repeat the concept several times and hope that you're pausing the audio and writing the information down. When I mention 39%, I'm introducing a ratio. A ratio is defined as one number divided by another number. That's all it is. It's as simple as that. For example, a ratio you are certainly familiar with, net profit margin, It's just your total profit divided by your total sales. That's easy, right? Yet this number can be valuable as a tool to both, one, compare your own firm to itself from year to year to expose trends. For example, if your net profit margin had been 14%, 16%, and 13% over the prior years, and suddenly it was 5%, you'd want to ask a few questions, wouldn't you? After all, net profit margin tells you what percent of every dollar your firm takes in, you get to put in your pocket. A pretty important number. And two, the other way ratios can be used is that this net profit margin and other ratios also allow you to compare your firm to other firms, presumably to top performing ones to reveal strengths and weaknesses. For example, If you were averaging a 12% net profit margin year after year, and I told you that the top performing firms are closer to 17%, you might not feel so great. The key is that the ratio would be forcing you to ask questions, and that's all ratios really do. A ratio, also sometimes referred to as a benchmark, creates a range within which a healthy firm should be operating. The saying among business school professors is neither too high nor too low is desirable when comparing to a benchmark. My magic number of 39% describes your firm's contribution margin. You might want to write that term down as I doubt your CPA or bookkeeper has ever showed you this vital number. Perhaps the most important single ratio to predict success or trouble. Your contribution margin, or CM, is simple to calculate, requiring just your P&L statement and a pencil and a post-it note. Are you ready? Are you ready to write this down? Your contribution margin equals your total contribution divided by total sales. Contribution divided by sales. Now, you can easily find your sales, also known as gross sales or the top line, But where does this thing I'm calling contribution come from? What is that number? Again, it may well be a term you've never heard your CPA or bookkeeper use. Well, it's simple. Contribution 
equals 100% of fee-based income. That is the time billings or fixed fees of everyone in your company whose bill, who bills time, plus the gross profit on merchandise. Said again, contribution equals fees plus gross profit on merchandise. Not to get down into the accounting weeds, but the reason this almost never shows up on your P&L statement is that CPAs who set up your chart of accounts and thus the format of your P&L statement almost always bundle fees and merchandise sales together to derive a total sales number and then subtract cost of goods sold and call that gross profit. But that's a really lazy way to do things and obscures from you some vital information, such as how much gross profit did you make on merchandise sales alone and how much on time billings alone. That's why you'll need a post-it note so you can pull the line item total time billings or whatever your CPA calls it and then subtract all costs of goods sold solely from merchandise sales to determine gross profit on merchandise alone. Add those two numbers together, total time billings plus the gross profit on merchandise, and you have your firm's total contribution. Contribution margin, a margin is just a ratio, which we already know is just one number divided by another, can now be stated as contribution, the number we just calculated, divided by total sales. And the magic number for a super healthy firm, but remember that this is just a range, is 39%. Which said another way means that 39 cents out of every dollar of sales, no matter what the source, is available to you to start covering your fixed overhead expenses. After you do that, anything you have left over can rightly be called profit. Again, I know it's a little limiting to be hearing instead of seeing these numbers, but that is the medium we're dealing with, so stay with me. In fact, let me take a case study that I worked with based on a firm that had a CM way out of the range. Consider a firm that shows on an annual PL statement gross sales of $486,000. Broken down further, the statement reveals design fees of $243,000, a number that will likely be easy to find as a line item, plus gross profit on merchandise of 63000 a number you'll have to calculate on a post-it note as total merchandise sales less all cost of goods sold. The total contribution for this firm, time billings plus the gross profit on merchandise, is 306000 I'm rounding up or down with all of these numbers. Divided by the total sales of 486000 results in a contribution margin of 63%. What? You thought 39% was the right number? Well, remember what I said about ratios being just a range? If I see a number like this, a number this high, I know two things. This is probably a sole practitioner who's billing a ton of hours. And this is probably a sole practitioner or very small firm with very little overhead. Both of these would drive the magic number higher. And that's a good thing with two exceptions. A high number, like 63%, 
suggests that those billing time may be facing burnout soon, as they are really maxing out. And overhead will likely have to be added soon to maintain this number. And as I've written about so often, this is related to creating the right size firm, which is crucial for successful practices. And when growing, or what I call making the leap, it is often the case that large bumps in fixed costs will be necessary. This could be leasing an office or hiring a new employee, for example. More likely is that over the next year or two, this high contribution margin will regress toward the mean, toward the strike zone of 39%. Notice that as a consultant to this firm, I might well argue that a lower contribution margin will make for a better long-term strategy. Ratios are funny that way. Another ratio that I often see is that in terms of gross sales, a typical profitable design practice might derive 75% of total revenue from merchandise sales and 25% of total revenue from time billing. Since the firm we studied a moment ago generated 50% from merchandise and 50% from time billings, we know it's going to have a very high contribution margin and very high profits as time billings are always the super fuel to more profit as long as they don't lead to burnout. Hey, this is David. I'll get back to the show in just one minute, but I want to ask you a quick question. How would your business and life be improved if you could win just one or two truly major projects each year, or what I call catching a whale? I actually know the answer to that because I have analyzed the financial statements of hundreds of design firms, from sole practitioners to large companies, and one thing is true, those that create true wealth over time for their owners always get their fair share of whales. I used that research to find out how they catch those whales and have put the results into a six-week master class for you. This incredible program will show you how to get architects, builders, realtors, and other key influencers in your market to hand you their best design projects on a silver platter all without you having to cold call, market online, or sell. Go to idmba.org today and register for an information session on how to catch a whale. That's idmba.org. Now, back to the show. But wait, there's more to contribution margin. Once you have your CM, you can easily calculate your break-even point. And far from the rolling of eyes this term gets in business planning workshops, it can be the single most important number for you to know. And it is so easy. Here it is. Ready to write it down? Your firm's break-even point is your total fixed costs, a.k.a. overhead, divided by, drum roll please, your contribution margin. If your total fixed expenses, an easy line item summary to find on almost any P&L statement, is, for example, $300,000, and your CM is 30%, then your break-even is $300,000 divided by 0.3, or 30%, or $1 million. That means you need to gross $1 million in sales from any and all sources, in order to cover all of your overhead expenses. Assuming your own salary is included in those expenses, as it should be, reaching break-even also means that you get paid. 
want to earn a profit over and above that? Well, in this case, we know that you get to keep 30 cents of every dollar of sales. First, you cover overhead, including your salary, and then everything else goes straight to the bottom line. For example, if this firm breaks even on $1 million in sales, an extra $100,000, or $1.1 million in sales, would send $30,000 extra to the bottom line. And if this firm could improve its contribution margin to my magic number of 39%, then $39,000 would go to the bottom line. Not to bore you with the math, but consider that in this example, an improvement of 9% in the contribution margin from 30 to 39% yields an improvement of almost 30% from 30,000 to 39,000 on the bottom line. Business math is funny that way, which is why I always repeat the mantra, even a 1% improvement can be huge. After all, What's the difference between 1% and 2%? I hope you didn't say 1% because the answer when it comes to business is 100%. 2 is 100% greater than 1. So now you know a very important and even magic number or ratio. There are lots of others you might benefit from. In fact, I was teaching a university class on entrepreneurial finance. When I told students that we would be applying 30 or more ratios, I also held up a book entitled 101 Business Ratios. One student, not to be outdone, held up his book, 301 Business Ratios. (laughs) Ratios don't have to come from financial statements either. Neither do other key measurements that you might keep to help you predict the near future. For example, Do you track number of weekly phone calls coming in? Inquiries? A slowdown here has been a terrific predictor of larger economic downturns on the horizon. Do you track number of weekly website visits or form submissions? Want to turn this into a ratio? Just divide it by that same number from a month or a year ago and see which way things are heading. Number of proposals outstanding, or that same category calculated by cumulative dollar volume of proposals outstanding. Average dollar volume of projects over time. Climbing or falling. Local inventory of high-end homes in your market. Growing or shrinking. Building permits, up or down. Let me conclude by asking, what's the number you would most like to know? What do you wish you could predict with absolute precision? Well, I can't promise the absolute part, but I can tell you that anything you want to know about the future can probably be predicted with at least usable data from your past. This is David Shepard, and with every episode of this podcast, I will try to simplify your business, improve your bottom line, and make running your business more fun. Be sure and subscribe to the Interior Design MBA podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find episodes on our website at idmba.org, along with our great courses, including the Interior Design MBA Certification Program. Now, go earn what you deserve. <laughs>